where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. I had the privilege of interviewing Steve Bainbridge, lead pastor at the Mill Christian Fellowship in Mississauga. He's a freedom pastor who never shut his church down. We talked about an upcoming G3 conference at his church and the importance of understanding biblical worship, which has been something lacking in the last two and a half years in Canada. We also interviewed Barry Newfeld, 27-year veteran on the school board, who has come under fire for saying controversial things like boys are boys, racism is wrong, and genital mutilation is evil. Yes, friends, we live in upside-down world. We also asked him about a very important rally that's happening in Ottawa on Tuesday next week. Friends, you're going to want to be there if you are anywhere within driving distance of Ottawa. Despite the news cycle, God is good, Christ is king, and we are truly blessed as we head into this Thanksgiving weekend. And we have much to be thankful for. It's October the 6th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is the Liberty Dispatch. Welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war, wherever you're joining us from, whether it is on your favorite podcast catcher, whether it be our YouTube channel, Liberty Sea Canada, or Liberty Sea Coalition, or on our Rumble page at Liberty Coalition Canada. Please be sure to interact with our content wherever you're getting it from. Speaking of getting content, you can get our content from the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Their website is flfnetwork.com. And you can also get us on demand on that app that they have. It's pretty sick. And you can download that from the Google Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store. So be sure to go over there and get that as well. Go over to our website, if you would, and check out all things Liberty Coalition Canada at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Be sure to sign up for our emailing list at the bottom of the page or leave us a donation at the top. That would be very helpful. Or, as always, that fancy QR code right at the bottom of the page, you can scan that as well. Also, finally, reach out to us, info at Liberty Coalition Canada. If you want uh, your questions, comments, concerns read on air, be sure to put mailbag to info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. That will let us know that you want us to interact with you on air, and we would encourage you. So if you haven't fallen victim to the woke mob and the rainbow alphabet mafia, you are probably quite sick of what you see and hear inside of big banks. Tell me, when was the last time you felt like they actually helped you with anything and didn't just treat you like a number? Have you asked yourself this question? Why does it feel more woke in a bank than it does on a university campus? 
How can they really offer you the best investment advice when they are driven by the latest progressive ideology? If you're fed up, I hope and assume you are, and you want some real investment advice minus all the corporate socialism and woke capitalism, give my friends at Rocklink a call, 905-631-5462, or send them an email, info at rocklink.com. That's info at rocklink.com. And I'm, I'm quite sick of big banks, and I'm quite sick of the woke messaging, but Matt, I'll tell you what I'm not sick of. And I'll tell you what I don't get tired of, and that's having a discussions with my good friend, Steve Bainbridge. He wasn't just a guy we had on for an interview. Steve is a dear brother. He's another freedom pastor in this country. He has been bold. Uh, he's written open letters to the premier, to the prime minister. He has led his church courageously, come under a ton of fire. He's been a good friend to the Liberty Coalition Canada. We've been able to hold Canada-wide pastor events, and our first Christians at Care training event was hosted at his church. So Steve's a good, he's a good dude. He's a, he's a faithful brother. And it was, it was really fun to interview him to talk about this upcoming G3 conference at his church. This is the first ever in Canada. So this is a little bit of a trial run for G3 and to talk about worship and how a right and wrong understanding of worship determine whether you keep your church open or whether you fold like a wet noodle and muzzle your people because Caesar tells you to do so. So why don't we uh, why don't we show that interview now and then we can give a few, some thoughts on it afterward. It is my pleasure to welcome on the dispatch Steve Bainbridge. Steve Bainbridge is a lead pastor of the Mill Christian Fellowship right in the belly of the beast in Mississauga, Ontario. Uh, Steve and I, we've known each other for just about two years, uh, but it's it's been a great relationship that we've been able to build in a real short period of time. I'm thankful for another solid 1689 Reformed Baptist, right eschatology kind of brother. We are, we are unicorns in the Canadian landscape. So Steve, I'm very grateful for you and for your ministry and for your boldness over the last two years. Thank you for joining us on the dispatch today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Steve, I mean, our audience has heard a little bit about my story. They've heard a little bit over the, you know, the time I've been on Liberty Dispatch about my church and kind of positions we took and how we got to where we were. I always love to highlight and hear more about other pastors in Canada who were nonconformist pastor, whose pastors who did not bow to Caesar, but acknowledge the Lordship of Christ. And so we met maybe about a year and a half ago now is when we kind of first connected as pastors were building relationships with one another. How is it that you got connected with maybe Liberty Coalition in, in specific, but in general, some of the other guys across the country that had kept their churches open and that had begun to band together, support, build relationships? How did you get involved or connected with this group of freedom pastors? Right. Ultimately, it was uh, Mike Thiessen that helped out quite a bit. You know, being in a former denomination, just getting hammered uh, from guys, you know, um, the outcast, a troublemaker, and uh, was just getting very discouraged and trying to move forward. And eventually, Mike reached out to me and says, like, hey, you know, there's a group of guys that have, you know, resisted and have stood firm in their positions with their churches. I was like, really? Wow. Okay. And uh, so it gave us an opportunity to start interacting with other pastors, to hear their convictions, to why they were staying open, why they were uh, 
going along the path they were. And it's just great source of encouragement knowing that you're not out there alone. You're not in that foxhole um, fighting this battle alone. And it was just a great matter of encouragement. So as time went on, you know, going to brothers' churches, supporting them when I wasn't preaching myself or going to gatherings or conferences, uh, this kind of friendship and fellowship has just grown about the last two years. So it's been great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny you say that, that you, you had these feelings of being alone, you know, kind of isolation or, or this really clinging to the, oh, other like-minded brothers, even being a part of not only a denomination, but having some pre-existing connections. You know, here, our church in Kingston, we're, we're totally independent. I mean, we're connected with a network that's based mainly in the United States. And in many ways, the last two and a half years, it's been another world for them in terms of mandates and restrictions. And in many ways, they can't understand what we've gone through here. And so I definitely felt the loneliness factor. I felt the, where are the other guys? There's no one else in my, in my city. But it's interesting to hear, even with some of the denominational ties, feeling like one of the few in a sea of other guys doing the same thing. Because I, I mean, I know that there were a, a couple other pastors as well connected with you in that denomination who felt the same way, who've since kind of joined our little band of rebels, our nonconformists, uh, and as we've, you know, continue to build relationships. So obviously, you know, you use the past tense words there of we were and, you know, used to be. And um, so now your church is a part of the G3 network and our audience Correct. might not have any idea about what the G3 network is. I'm, I'm sure that some would, if they're at all in the reformed or Baptist world, they would have an idea. Or even if I say some names like Virgil Walker, Josh Bice, you know, guys like Paul Washer and Steve Lawson, James White, they've been involved, Vody Bauckham, they've been connected with some G3 stuff before. Tell us a little bit about the G3 network and maybe, well, okay, let's, let's rewind. A little bit about G3, I mean, what the three G's stand for, for people who don't know. So what's G3? And then what's the network? And how is it that you guys got connected with? Tell us about that relationship with you and G3. I mean, I just want to be clear that before lockdown, we were already moving towards um, moving out of our denomination, moving into the G3 network. We want to belong to a... Um, not so much a denomination, but we want to belong to a group that actually stood for the gospel. So Gospel Grace Glory, the G3 network started years ago, um, and their purpose was to ensure that the gospel was being properly delivered, that we were standing upon the word of God, exposition, and so forth. So we've already saw compromise within our former denomination. They were becoming weak on their positions of creation. Their statements of faith of what they stood for were being more watered down. This, you know, the shared um, agreement that we, us churches had in our affiliation were being kind of picked apart so that it could become a larger, more inclusive type of movement. And that just didn't sit right for us. Um, we want to belong to a, a group or a network church where we stand firm on important issues. So when it comes to the G3, we were researching. And when we found out they had this church network, uh, we could apply to be part of it here in Canada. Part of it, you had to be 1689 confessional, which we are here at the church. 
um, you had to sign their statement against the social uh, justice or social gospel and all the, the stuff that was going Josh on. Josh Bice was one of the original signatories for the that's the the Dallas that, statement. The, the statement. That's the on, statement on social statement on justice, social justice and, gospel. and the gospel. Yeah. 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 And so we agreed to those terms. We were fighting the same fight up here as well. So we applied. We, we came in and during the lockdown itself and during, um, you know, the exodus from what I would call the compliant movement, um, we end up rolling into um, our affiliation with the G3, which is amazing. Um, we're, we're very blessed to have um, men of God who hold to the word of God, who hold to the convictions of scripture. Uh, help us, encourage us, and network with us as we move forward as a church. Now, I can't, I can't remember. Are you guys the first Canadian G three partner, or have there been other ones in other parts of Canada as well? As far as I know, we might be. I know uh, James Coates went to the G three conference and preached there, but when we applied, we don't see any other G three church on the Canadian map. So it's just us at this time that's made it known publicly. So one of the benefits of being, whether it's the first or one of the first kind of early adopters here in Canada, being a part of the network here in Canada, is that you guys have an opportunity, a privilege that you're able to be hosting an upcoming conference, which, I mean, is quite quite an honor and a privilege for you guys as a church to be able to host this, to be able to hopefully be a blessing to other believers. Tell us a little bit about the G3 conference that's coming up the dates, what it's about, the, the, the content, the substance of it, give our audience a little bit of a, a taste as to what's going to be going on in Mississauga. There, there aren't very many reasons to be in Mississauga these days. Um, this is probably at the tippy top of the list for reasons why you're going to want to be in and around Mississauga in November. Tell us about the conference. Absolutely. I mean, one thing we know by going around different churches, and let's say before 2020, uh, the amount of churches just going in massive decline in their understanding of what true biblical worship is. Biblical worship is just not the songs that we sing, but worship is every aspect of our life. And so understanding what's taking place and how many churches are stuck in a rut on family worship, what it means to be a man of God, what it means to be worshiping at home and within your congregation. Biblically, we reached out to the G3 and, you know, proposed that we can do a mini conference up here just for two days to get a feel about how much interest would be so we can start helping the Canadian church in our context, the same way that the G3 out of Atlanta, out of Prey Mills, was helping the American church. So the conference will be on November 11th and 12th. And the first night, which is Friday, is designed specifically for elders and pastors. It's going to be a time where pastors, elders, and their wives could come, have supper, and they will sit with Dr. Scott Annual from uh, G3 and Dr. Tony Costa. And it's going to be an open communication just regarding how to train our people to take this true biblical concept of worship back home and be families and homes of worship. And then on Saturday night, they're going to be talking about how to defeat what is going on in the local church setting, how to combat the worship view of only singing, but the entire service is worship, how to do it properly, biblically, the dangers of bringing in such you know groups like Passion, Hillsong, Bethel, and all this other nonsense, 
but at the same time also show that not every song we sing out of a hymn book is correct and proper as well. So doctrine, music, preaching, all of this is together. So the conference is designed to equip the church today to move forward because you know, the lockdown has attacked the church. Many people are not certain where they should be going, but there's no point going forward if they're not going to have their doctrine and, you know, their their worship aspects figured out to move forward in health. So that's the conference in a nutshell. And the tie-in, especially with the work that we've been doing with Liberty Coalition, is if there's one thing that we could agree on, it's that the reasons why church has made the decisions they did in the last two and a half years has everything to do with their doctrine of worship. So there are yep. some churches and there are some guys like yourself, like me, like friends of ours that we know, Jacob Rayom, Aaron Rock, Nate Wright, Tim Stevens, James Coates. We all believe that Christ has lived and died and shed his blood to redeem for himself a people that will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And he gets to dictate the terms of worship, how and when and what. And there are other people who, even though they wouldn't say this, have essentially transferred that authority and that lordship, that, that, that sovereign leadership over the terms of worship from Christ to the state or to mm-hmm. the unelected health bureaucrats. And so where this really touches down is your understanding of worship, what it is and, and why it is, what it's supposed to accomplish, the, the purpose of it, really has everything to do with whether or not you shut down your church. And whether or not, for example, you think it's okay to force your people to cover their faces or say to yep. people, we can't sing or say yep. no Lord's Supper. And so a, a right doctrine of worship is why the last two and a half years have looked the way that they have. And if more churches had a, a robust doctrine of worship and the role of, of Father, Son and Spirit in that, a lot more churches would have stayed open. And to your point, the, the individual Christians, the believers who are at churches that maybe took a more, I'm going to say it, compromised, compliant, weak and cowardly position in folding mm-hmm. to the whims of the state, individual Christians at those churches who have had their consciences pricked and who themselves have been frustrated, it's probably because they have a more accurate and a more biblical understanding of worship Namely, we are to gather the way the Lord says we are, and we're to do what he says we're supposed to do. And so in the, the content of this conference is supremely important for strengthening the church in Canada, and, you know, specifically in Ontario, where we are, which there's a big freedom movement here. So where yeah. can people go to, to find out more about the conference? You said the dates were November 10th and 11, which is the Friday, Saturday. Did I get that right? right? 10 and 11, the Friday, right. Saturday. So where can people go? Where can they sign up? Uh, you know, you said that the Friday night is just for elders and then the Saturdays for the general kind of population. Correct. Give some info. Where can we point people? Yeah, first easy way is just go to our website, uh, www.themillmississauga.ca, then forward slash G3CONF. Uh, you can also hit it on Eventbrite just by uh, Googling Eventbrite g3 canada and you do that it'll pop up right up on google and i guess want to uh, amen to what you said as well um, this is a very important conference and it's designed for this everything that you have just shared 
Uh, clearly, being in our churches and singing Good, Good Father, that's who you are 18 times doesn't prepare a person to remember that we do have a mighty fortress is our God. Um, you know, we also need to make sure that when we're kind of babbling small little prayers of weakness, but when we pray powerful prayers of strength, these are what this is what's going to prepare us for the next movement that the government's going to try to come up with us. So I want to encourage as many people as possible to yeah hit our Facebook page as well uh, at the Mill Mississauga our website sign up to this conference so that the understanding of who we are as true worshipers of Jesus Christ and who has full sovereignty and who reigns they are able to stand firm and they're not going to see it as so much this what they've been fed through a lot of evangelicalism here in Canada, but they're going to realize they're standing and they're not complying because they're truly worshiping. And so hopefully we can cover all of that. So, yeah. Well, I look forward to being there. I, I look for, I'll, I'll be there for the two days. I look forward to seeing you again and, you know, making that woeful trip into Toronto at least allows me to go to my favorite Italian bakery. So it's always, it, it, it makes the trip and the traffic worth it. But to be there, I'm excited to be there at the conference. I hope to bring some people from my church as well. And to our audience, please go to the millmississauga.com slash G3CONF. Check out G3 Conference Mississauga, G3 Conference Canada. Google this. Check it out on Eventbrite. Sign up, register, come to the conference. You know, if you're, if you're a pastor, if you're an elder at a church and you've been struggling, maybe you look at the last two and a half years and you think, what have, what have we done? We, we, we made a mistake. We played it wrong. We're seeing the consequences. This is great, a great opportunity for you to come to strengthen your church, to bring back to your people a good understanding of worship, to really build up your body. And even if you're not an elder or a pastor, but if you want to help grow your understanding and strengthen your understanding of worship, and then also bring that back to your church as a blessing to strengthen them, to challenge, right? To lovingly maybe come alongside elders who've made a compromised decision and and loving them hold them to it and say does this line up with what the scriptures say about worship then please check out the conference attend register and if you do i'll see you there uh, i will definitely be there enjoying every minute of it so steve i have a i've really appreciated your bold stance your your, your position on a number of things the open letters that you have sent to various elected officials uh, kind of the courage and the very blunt, uh, not, not unnecessarily obnoxious and not overly concerned about your likable winsomeness, but I think handling the rebuke and the challenge and the strong words in a way that I think is Christ honoring. And I know that many other men have been blessed by it. So Steve, thank you so much for joining me on the dispatch today. And I hope that we see a really great turnout on November 10th and 11th. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Andrew. God bless you. Well, man, I was really blessed by that conversation that you had with our buddy Steve Bainbridge. I haven't had the pleasure, like you, to actually meet Steve, but I really appreciate his passion for the church, his passion for the Word of God, the fact that he's a part of bringing a ministry as solid and steadfast as G3D to Canada, that's going to be a blessing to churches across this nation for years and years to come. And it is so much needed, as you guys have, you know, really highlighted some of the areas where the Canadian church has fallen apart, especially over the last couple of years, we need to recover a biblical view of worship 
and and what that means and the part that strikes me andrew is you know you guys are coming from a baptist reformed baptist 1689 perspective i'm coming from a, a tr traditional reformed church perspective but this uh this phenomenon that you guys are touching on really was cross-denominational in the sense that our failure to understand that all of life is worship to understand Christ over all of life and what that pertains to and the the full orbed gospel and and how that affects every area of life has really robbed Christians and the church of understanding how to worship God in everything that they do which really highlights to me how far we've come because it is the reformed view of worship a vocation of all of life being worship of all of life being done to the glory of God um, that has really I think been a drastic problem in the, in how the church has responded to COVID. Um, because if we were doing these things, if we understood the full orb view of the, uh, the gospel, you, like you guys said, we couldn't have shut down the church for as long as we did. If we were pressing the gospel into all these different corners of life, we could never, it would have never been fathomable to go along with the, the government diktats, the COVID mandates and the COVID lockdowns. But it's because we have this truncated view of the gospel, a truncated view of true worship that we end up in places like this, that it's even plausible, that it even makes sense. And, that's something that I'm really excited that they're touching on in this G3 conference. And I hope uh, G3 coming to Canada will really, really, really provide a solid foundation of good teaching, of good ministry, that we can recover some of these things that we've obviously lost and that we can get back to the work of being the church in Canada and recovering a full-orbed gospel understanding. So, Really appreciate Steve, Andrew. Really appreciate the conversation. That the good news is you will be able to meet Steve in November at the Absolutely. Church of War conference because he will be there. <laughs> Looking forward to and it. And I, I can't really advertise for the conference because it's sold out. All I can tell people is when the conference is over and we do a couple special episodes from the conference. I'm not going to. I'll just slowly drop. We have a number of really amazing friends and pastors that we will be interviewing and maybe doing live at the conference. So we'll, we'll keep you up to date with that. And then also, once the conference is done, we'll let you know where you can watch the Antichrist and his Ruin documentary. So I can't really advertise for that. But what I can say, as we talked about in the interview, is sign up for the G3 conference on biblical worship. You can go to the millmississauga.ca that's the millmississauga.ca, and right on the homepage is a link to the G3 conference on biblical worship. The cost is very reasonable. You can do either the Friday or the Saturday or both. I would recommend both for the price. I'm going to be there. Uh, a, a number of other friends of the show are also going to be there. So if you sign up, come and say hi. It's some great teaching, some great fellowship together. Uh, please sign up for the G3 Biblical Worship Conference happening November 11th and 12th. Andy, are you tired of having leftism rammed down your throat every single place you turn? Exhausted, tired. Frustrated, perhaps, Andrew, 
about businesses who go out of their way, jump over all sorts of hurdles to give money to leftist causes that hate you and want to tear down your worldview? It is enraging and infuriating, Matt. Why, then, do we as conservatives continue to buy products from companies that hate us and our freedoms, Andrew? That's that's a really good question for people to ponder, Matt. You think there's a solution? Well, yes, Matt, there is. Hmm. Hold on one second. It's tasty, too. That tastes like a solution to me. Mm-hmm. And the solution is Resistance Coffee Company, and they are here for you. Now you can enjoy the wonderful taste of fresh roasted coffee with the knowledge that your money isn't funding the leftist causes you despise. In fact, Resistance Coffee gives 10% of every purchase to organizations that are fighting for the constitutional freedoms of Canadians like the JCCF and Fight the Fines. Resistance Coffee roasts specialty-grade coffee beans, which means you're getting high-end coffee that is roasted fresh for you. Be done with stale grocery store coffee. Support Canadian freedoms. Go to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC and join the resistance today. Again, that is resistancecoffee.com slash LCC. Dude, they make some very good coffee. I've just been pounding it. It's the only way I get through a day of long editing. (laughs) So I am very thankful for Resistance Coffee and their many delicious blends. I've been just rocking black gold because I love dark, strong coffee. And you're in central Canada. And I'm in central Canada. So it's the only way I can get through a day, let's be honest. Um, Andrew, you had the pleasure of talking to Steve Bainbridge, and we had the distinct pleasure of having another guest on with us, which we're going to uh, air that conversation right now. And it was really a wonderful conversation we were able to have with a school trustee uh, named Barry Newfeld out of the BC area. And he has come under fire, as you made mention at the start of the program, for his stance on sexual identity gender ideology he's fighting back against all this woke nonsense critical race theory all this marxist indoctrination he's pushing back against it and he's standing firm in his position of influence in the civic realm and i'm just so thankful that we had the opportunity to talk with barry you get to see really that he's a man of courage, of conviction. And this is, Andrew, the very reason we launched the initiative, Christians That Care, to support men and women like Barry doing really good work in important areas of civic life. So I think you're going to be blessed by this conversation. I think you're going to be blessed by his unique um, voice. And I'm really thankful that we were able to share his story with you, our dear listeners and viewers. So enjoy our conversation with school trustee from British Columbia, Barry Newfeld. We are joined on the Liberty Dispatch by Barry Newfeld. Barry graduated from Simon Fraser with a BA in adolescent psychology, and he served as a probation officer. That was his career. He specialized 
in supervising sex offenders and young offenders. He wrapped up his career as a youth restorative justice facilitator, and he has been on the school board since 1992 with a brief break in 2008 to get a master's in Christian studies at Trinity Western University. His goal was to be a prison chaplain, but the rules changed, and so he was back on the school board in 2011, and that makes him a 27-year veteran on the school board. Barry, wow. it is great to have you. Thank you for joining us on the Liberty Dispatch today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. You know, I've been trying to get some attention um, east of the Rocky Mountains, but uh, those Ontarians, they don't realize that there's still a big chunk of Canada out west here. <laughs> And, I can speak uh, to that. <laughs> you're you're the first Ontario uh, uh, program that's taken an interest. Well, being the Liberty Dispatch, we're the first of a lot of things in a lot of ways. So we're glad to have you. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. So Barry, you've served in local politics, as Andrea said, for for nigh on three decades at this point. But recently you have gained a little bit more attention, at least in the West Coast. What exactly have you done to receive that attention? And, and what are some of the consequences that you're facing? Well, my whole time on the school board, I, I tried to bring a Christian perspective into uh, public education and uh, didn't make too many waves. But while I was at an evangelical seminary, I uh, did something that probably will shock you. I converted to the Eastern Orthodox faith. August 28, 2017, my church was having a, a special service to commemorate the beheading of John the Baptist. And um, it was in the next town over, and I was planning to go. And then my fellow school trustee, uh, Heather Moss said, Barry, have you heard about this new Soji sex ed program? I said, no, what's that? She says, well, I don't know either, but they're having a parent information night at Brookswood Secondary in Langley. Do you want to go? And I says, well, what time is it? She said, 7.30. I said, oh, no problem. I, my service starts at 6.30. I can make it to both. So I go to my service and there's all these dreary hymns and Bible readings about poor John the Baptist and how he got his head chopped off because he criticized the sexual behavior of the elites. All of a sudden, I got a text from Trustee Maj. She said, Barry, the BC Teachers Union found out about this parent information meeting, and they're calling it a hate group. So we had to move the meeting to Murrayville Hall. I said, Murrayville Hall? I'm right next door to Mur Murrayville Hall. So I thought, well, this must be meant to be. So I walked over there. Well, I was absolutely appalled. This has been going on in our schools for over a year. Um, no parents had been involved in the planning of it. It was just suddenly sneaked in without any public scrutiny. And they were teaching kids that uh, um, gender was on a spectrum and that if a boy wasn't happy in his body, he could become a girl. And they were encouraging or celebrating uh, children who were gay. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. So anyways, the whole month of September, I researched it and read about it, and I got more and more uncomfortable. I thought, I can't do this. I can't, I can't be part of an education system that's pushing this nonsense. So on October the 13th, our board met with our two members of the Provincial Legislative Assembly, and of course the big issue at the time was our 
our district was growing so fast and we didn't have enough schools and we wanted more schools. But at the end of the meeting, I said, you know, guys, I, I don't think I can be part of an organization that's teaching sexual orientation and gender identity. I'm thinking of resigning. Well, the other trustees didn't know what I was talking about, except for Heather Moss. And uh, as they were leaving, uh, one of the MLAs, uh, Dr. Lori Thronas, pulled me aside and he says, Barry, you can't resign. You have to fight this. So 10 days later, I blurted out on Facebook. I had a meme and it said, uh, I said basically that uh, encouraging children to transit transition their gender is akin to child abuse and the media went absolutely nuts they started calling me names um caused a big a big furor in the media and i knew i'd get some pushback but i was surprised that this idea had gained so much traction in the public so barry just before we move on as somebody who's served on the school boards as a trustee in what in various different roles for 27 years, is that typical that trustees would be totally unaware of this type of program going on, or parents would have really no say in this being implemented in schools? Is that typical? Is that normal? Or is this a, a odd uh, state of affairs? It's actually contrary to the BC School Act. It says right in the BC School Act that one of the duties of trustees is to approve learning resources. And uh, this was imposed upon public education without any trustees even knowing about it. Now, I, I know of a handful of trustees in the province that agree with me. There may be others, but they're too scared to say anything because they don't want to get um, uh, shut down and insulted in the way that I have. Uh, says very clearly in the School Act that uh, this is the role of trustees. And I have always believed that uh, my role was to ensure the values of the community that elected me were reflected in what it was what was being taught in the classrooms. And, and that's, that's not a revolutionary idea. You know, I, I knew there'd be some pushback, but as I reflected back on what happened to St. John the Baptist, I thought, do I have the courage that he has? Is this what God is calling me to do? And I've sort of led the way, but increasingly there's more and more people stepping forward to support me. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you got caught in the tolerance buzzsaw there. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so these other people who you say they feel the same way, they they have the same sentiment, but they're remaining silent. You know, I think it, is it the case that like yourself, there's many many years they have on the school board, and there's this long track record, right? Maybe they're in the we'll say in the fall to winter season of their career, or these people who are younger, who are earlier in their career, who are thinking about, listen, I don't want to get canceled and ostracized, and you know, I still hopefully have. You know, a lot, a lot of time ahead of me to serve in local politics and maybe work my way up. Is that part of what's preventing them from speaking out or just a general sense of coming under the fury of the woke mob? Well, I would say that the older school trustees uh, attract people with more of a progressive bent. So they tend to be more on the left side of the political spectrum. 
but uh yes even some of the older ones uh uh they enjoy their their position as a school trustee and they don't want to rock the boat now the younger ones um if they rock the boat um they could get some pretty serious consequences school being a school trustee is not a full-time job so um if they work for the government or any of these large corporations that support the LGBTQ, they could get fired um, and uh, lose their position. Uh, if they have children in school, their children could be bullied. One of my mentors was uh, Ontarian by the name of Dr. Steve Terlucas. He was a Greek Orthodox uh, dentist in, in Hamilton who took on the Hamilton Wentworth School District. And he fought them for seven years, got as far as the Ontario Court of Appeal when he gave up. But the radicals would surround his residential home. They'd throw dog poop at the windows. And uh, the newspapers published the schools where his kids were going to school. And they got picked on and bullied. His wife was terrified for her life. And uh, since he lost that case, he's been a pretty disheartened guy. But the one, of the one thing that disappointed him the most was the lack of any encouragement from churches. Churches didn't want to muddy their hands. They didn't want to get involved in this. He was kind of on his own. Um, his own denomination turned their backs on him. And most evangelicals, the only financial support he got was from a few independent Pentecostal churches. So you, I'm, I'm, I'm glad in a sense that you, you highlighted that. You highlighted the importance or really the the sad state of affairs that churches wouldn't back him up, that churches wouldn't go to task, especially because they're supposed to also be these bastions of truth, right? Paul, the Apostle Paul says that the church is the pillar and the buttress of the truth, not that we determine it, but we're the ones that are in charge of guarding it and propping it up and actually spreading it and making sure that it's proclaimed to the world. That's the job of the local church and, and the church more broadly and this is one of the reasons why, or this is one of the motives behind the creation of Christians That Care. It's we were tired of seeing candidates of integrity, candidates of biblical principle. Like yourself. excoriated by the media and by the other people who are running and seeing them totally left alone to be fed on like, like guppies in the midst of the sea of sharks. And so we knew we needed to create something to support candidates, to be praying for them, to give them opportunities to speak, to help them financially, to connect them with churches. And that's it, it's a sad thing to see what's happened. And you've recently gotten connected with Christians That Care as well. And I'm, I'm glad for it. And we, we want to partner with like-minded candidates of integrity and with values across the country. And so I guess talk a little bit about your connection with Christians That Care, how did that relationship kind of come about? And what are your thoughts right now in terms of what we're doing and how you see the, the process of our, our initiative, our mission, working out in, in, in Canada more broadly? Well, I must admit, I was, um, I was approached by a phone call, uh, Mike, somebody, and... Uh, you know, Mike, talk. somebody is good. Let's not say his last name. <laughs> yeah. We'll just say he wouldn't want us to say his to last name, so we'll guilty, just say yeah. Mike. Yeah. Mike, somebody. Let's leave it at that. Oh, come on, Mike, get some backbone. If you're going to be behind me, you might as well stick your neck out, like Saint John the Baptist. <laughs> but um, uh, he was talking about a podcast in a few days, and all of a sudden, bang! It's it's happening uh, Tuesday, and so uh, 
I, I've been honored to be on several other broadcasts. And uh, my understanding is that uh, you have got some churches that are trying to encourage uh, political involvement by some of their members. And, uh, and, and well, I don't have my PowerPoint in front of me, but I had a picture of Steve Terlucas, and he said that the indifference of Christian churches to what is going on is perhaps a greater threat to our freedom than the radical ideas of the, the, the new rebels. Because the radical ideas can be fought against mm -hmm. if you have the right people who are supposed to be defending truth yeah. and pushing back against it. None of the, none of the institutions are going to do it. So you're always going to have evil in the world, and you'll always have godless ideologies in the world. That's, that's unavoidable until Christ returns. But if the church is not standing in the way for truth, pushing back against the evil, then there's nothing. Mm -hmm. there, there's no hope against this monster and as so th the church has to do it as dr joe boot is fond of saying the ghettoizing or the retreat of the church necessarily calls forth the secularization of society it necessarily calls forth these radicals to infiltrate all the institutions of our society and force down their own religious worldview upon other people. Um, so that's that's a really important to, uh, thing to say, uh, Barry, is that if churches aren't going to be involved in supporting people like yourself in p offices of, of politics or, or getting involved in the culture wars, we're going to be losing these culture wars and... Uh, men like yourself are going to be led to the slaughter as, as John the Baptist. I don't know if you've uh, heard of Rod Dreher. He's a columnist mm -hmm. for the American Conservative and his mm -hmm. book, Live Not get him By on the Lies. Show sometime. Live yeah. Not yeah, By Lies. I just Lies finished reading been, that actually. It's been my guidepost because he interviewed a lot of people who lost their freedom in Eastern Europe. And the reason he did that is that some Eastern Europeans have said, you know, what's happening in North America is just what we went through in Nazi Germany and Bolshevik Russia. And um, the, the recent lockdowns of COVID have really changed the face of the church. Uh, we've seen that uh, a lot of churches are not, uh, are too afraid to stand up to tyrannical government. They cave into them. But uh it could be that in the future, house churches may be the only way we can survive. I think another reason a lot of churchmen uh, don't get involved is because they're afraid that they might lose their tax exempt status or their charitable status, and that would that would hit that would especially harm the the, the mega churches. It's the little churches that have been able to keep the faith more than the mega churches. Absolutely. All right. So Barry. Your uh, your situation um, is also part of the reason for an upcoming event that's taking place in Ottawa. So maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit what's going on in Ottawa, when it's going on, and what's happening, and how they can get involved. Well, to understand what's going on, I have to go back to the beginning. The first legal action against me was complaints by two unions to the BC Human Rights Tribunal that I was a threat to the safety of children. And they wanted just wanted me to cough up fifty thousand dollars. Well, that went absolutely nowhere in four years. 
but it was based on the accusations of Glenn Hansman, the president of the BC Teachers Federation. Glenn Hansman was raised in a Christian home, but he was he was gay and he was not accepted in his church. So he, he's made it his life's work to try and destroy uh, the Christian um, objection to homosexual lifestyles. So uh, I put up with it for a year. And then just before I was reelected in 2018, I sued him for slander, defamation. And uh, I was, had a pretty good case against him because he was spouting off in front of, you know, the National Post, the Vancouver Province, the Vancouver Sun, the Toronto Star, uh, CTV, CBC. They were all coming after me. But he used a new law that had never been tried in British Columbia. It had just been called and um, declared a, a new law. And that is uh, anti-slap legislation. It stands for Strategic Lawsuits Against Public Participation. Now, the reason they brought in that law was to protect little guys from big lawsuits. You know, if you can imagine an old hippie with a red beard out in the forest, uh, he likes to hug trees and he loves his spotted owls. And all of a sudden, he writes a letter to the paper that the uh, uh, the forestry companies are ruining the environment. Well, the forestry companies have got a lot of money for legal cases, so they sue him. And anti-slap legislation was intended to protect little guys like him. But Hansman used it, flipped it on its head. He's the president of a 50,000-member union, and he uh, argued in court, that uh, he has a right to call me names and insult me because it's in the public interest. Now, the judge that heard his case had just been newly appointed by Trudeau and had probably been told what to decide, and he ruled in favor of Hansman. Well, that was a big setback for me. I'd been raising a lot of money, and now I'm nowhere. So we appealed it to the Appeal Court of British Columbia. This time, we got three very wise, experienced judges. They listened to the arguments. And they sided with me. They said, this is a cold, a cold day for uh, free speech if uh, a big union boss can silence a, a lone trustee who's uh, giving his own opinion. So I thought, okay, let's go back to the defamation suit. But before we could get any papers together, Hansman appealed to the Supreme Court of Canada. Now, the Supreme Court of Canada is the highest court in the land. There's nine judges. And once they make a decision, there's no appeal. There's no turning back. So if he wins, that means that anybody like me who doesn't buy the gender ideology and the LGBTQ narrative, anybody like me will be considered unfit to be around children. Because that's what I'm fighting against. If I win, I still have to go back and do a defamation trial, but uh, he has got no less than 12 organizations that are backing him in the Supreme Court of Canada. He's got the Attorney General of BC. He's got the BC Government Employees Union. He's got the Gay and Lesbian Educators Association. Um, he's got several other gay and transgender activist outfits. I was not allowed to bring anybody to come along and support me. The Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms uh, sees it as a real free speech issue, but they were not allowed to take part. So um, I'm asking for prayers as well as money, because this is like David against Goliath. 
um, it's, it's going to be big. And it should be noted, Barry, a bunch of the organizations that you mentioned were either radical LGBT activist groups or public sector unions that force taxpayers to basically prop up what they're doing. And they have an enormous amount of power and sway over local politics. And even a guy like as radical as FDR thought public sector unions were the most open, corrupt political grift ever. And he was a pro-unionist through and through, yet he understood the deep corruption of that nature. Yet this is par for the course in the way things work in Canadian society because we're so beholden to public sector unions like these unions. And I think it's tragic that they're using all this weight to come after you, a taxpaying um, Canadian citizen. I just think it's disgusting. Well, Matt, I would I would say by way of correction, those are not two separate groups. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, 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 those aren't two separate groups. They're one in the same. They're just two arms on the same, the same body, right? Mm -hmm. As you were listing off all those groups, all I could think about were just minions. Mm -hmm. We're just little, little little winged demons doing the work of their their evil overlords. That's it. Mm -hmm. Not in the pursuit of truth. Not doing what's actually best for children not doing what's best for culture, but seeking to dismantle and destroy everything that has built up our culture and our country to be what it is. And they take their cue from the most evil and corrupt of people and places, and they're all on the same team. Mm -hmm. You know, what's ironic is prior to 2017, um, I was employed by the BC, a member of the BC Government Employees Union, and every election I got a big campaign donation from the unions but all of a sudden i say that allowing kids to transition is child abuse and i become a pariah and mm. they just turned on me mm -hmm. it's because you you called out their false god mm -hmm. this is this like people the, the idea of neutrality is nonsense this isn't neutral and we're not dealing in a purely materialistic world this is a spiritual reality we're talking about a religious reality where you took their god and you basically threw it to the ground and said, your God's no God at all. He's yeah. just a, he's just an idol made of, made of wood. And instead of saying, oh, you're right, our God is no God at all. Let's worship the true God. What they instead start doing is what the prophets of Baal did. They'll yell and they'll scream and they'll cut themselves and they'll freak out and put on a show and try every no more water, more water. Because you've you've shown them that their God is is no God at all. Well, you know, Glenn Hansman also said that Barry Newfelt needs to learn that when he walks into the boardroom, he's got to set his religious beliefs aside. Uh, there's been a real effort to try and drive God out of the public square. But, you know, religion and spiritual is, spirituality still remains. And when God is pushed out, uh, the unholy trinity will move in. And the unholy trinity, I've, I've been uh, interested in reading... Uh, Jonathan Kahn's new book, uh, Return of the Gods. The unholy trinity is Baal, Moloch, and Ashtaroth. And uh, so many of the practices of the worship of Baal, and Moloch, and Ashtaroth are so common in today's society as we push the Christian God out of the center of our culture. Yep. Amen. Sexual perversion, uh, uh, androgyny, 
baby sacrifice. These are, these are very, very old religions, right? This idea yep. of perverting marriage, perverting sexuality, blurring the lines between male and female, sacrificing babies. It's just a very old religious system that's been resurrected in our culture. Barry, yep. tell us about what's happening on Tuesday the 11th. Give our, give our audience a little bit of a, a picture of what's going on and how, if they happen to be anywhere around Ottawa or within driving distance— to where they need to go and what they can do, like what's happening and how they can get involved? Um, the Supreme Court has not been allowing public members into the gallery, but as of the 1st of October, they're uh, letting them in. Uh, you have to phone the registry and get an email address uh, and then apply by email, and it's first come, first served. There will be a rally on the steps or nearby, organized by an organization called Action for Canada. They're going to have some special speakers. Um, you know, this is a complicated, big case, but it's amazing uh, how the Supreme Court uh, is rushing this through. My lawyer gets an hour to argue why free speech is at issue. Glenn Hansman's lawyer gets an hour. And then all the interveners are not allowed in the courtroom. They have to appear by video. So the Attorney General... Uh, of British Columbia gets 10 minutes by video to give his spiel. And then all the other activist organizations, incidentally, all of them are supported by taxpayers' money. Uh, they each get five minutes. And uh, then the Supreme Court will stand down and uh, think about it for a few days, few weeks, maybe even a few months, and then make their decision. So what time's everything starting on Tuesday the 11th? And it's out in front, so it's in front of the Supreme Court steps, right? Is that where people are meeting on Tuesday? Yes. I believe what it time? I believe at 9 o'clock. Where can people go? Where can our – so I'll, I'll say this now um, by sidebar. If you're in Ottawa, if you're in Kingston, if you're anywhere within, if you're in Toronto, if you're anywhere in Ontario and you can get there on Tuesday – or if you're like, oh, we need, you know, maybe we're too far away, get there, stay overnight somewhere in Ottawa, stay overnight in Kingston, like get to Ottawa for Tuesday morning. You can contact us at the show. We can help you. But Barry, where can people go to find out more website, um, you know, email address? Where can where can they go to actually get more information about what's happening? Uh, action for Canada, and that's action, the num numeral four. Canada. I believe they have a lot of information on it. Um, I uh, usually I depend on Facebook to get get my word out. I'm Barry Newfelt nine at Facebook. Um, and uh, if they want to help out financially, give send go, it gives you the option. You can send money or you can send the prayer. But um, uh, just Type in, go to Google, type in Give, Send, Go, Barry Neufeld, and the link will show up immediately. I am on Telegram, Stripe, and I'm uploading a lot of my uh, information onto Academia Edu. It's um, put a lot of my uh, seminary and university papers on there. Um, but no, I haven't, I haven't had the time or the energy. I... I've been so busy the last five years, and I feel kind of like um, Queen Esther that uh, her uncle said that 
you were born for a time like this because I don't have children in school that could get picked on. Even my adult children have been harassed because of my reputation, but they're, they're big enough. They can handle it. Uh, my wife has passed away. Um, she would be begging for a divorce or for me to shut up. <laughs> I think sometimes that's why some men don't speak out because their wives don't want them to rock the boat. And uh, I, I have a secure pension. So, you know, I'm not facing any financial consequences for my, for my speaking out. So God put me here for a reason and I'm just trying to follow his direction. Awesome. Well, we're, we're so thankful, Barry, that you took the time to be with us. We're thankful for the opportunity to let people know about your case, about what's going on, that we can support you. And I, that, that, that is our goal with Christians That Care, with the Liberty Coalition Canada, is to bring a wide swath of people together that we can support the Barry Newfelds of the world so we can make uh, we can give support and make it less costly in a way for people to stand up and speak out as you have done. Um, because it is something that it, it does feel like David and Goliath. And you're talking about corrupt public institutions using taxpayer money to go after an individual trustee for a school board who's trying to fulfill his job according to his conscience. And I just think it's despicable. But these sorts of things happen all the time in Canada. So that's why we have to support you, Barry, in what you're doing. So we're thankful. We're honored that you came on the program and gave, gave us a chance to, to tell people about your story. Well, thank you very much for this opportunity. And thank you for your insightful questions. You seem to grasp what was going on. Well, Barry, awesome. I, uh, I look forward to meeting you on the 11th in Ottawa. I'll be there. I'll see if I can wrangle some people from my church who are off that day or aren't working that day or might be retired or semi-retired. And I'll try to bring as many people as I can to join me in Ottawa on the 11th. And I, I look forward to meeting you in person. I have one last thing that I'd like, I'd like to mention. One of the most disappointing things I used to hear when I was campaigning, I'd go up to an older couple and say I'm running for school board and they say, Oh, our children are all grown up now, and uh, so we don't pay attention to what's going on in the school board. And I say to them, are you kidding? Don't you have grandchildren in school? Don't you have friends with children in school? Do you know what they're teaching these kids? Find out what the school board, schools are doing, and then get involved. One thing that's different about this election, the grandmas and grandpas are starting to stand up and do something. And that is encouraging, because... This new uh, critical theory is trying to destroy all our past history, all our past tra traditions, tear it all down, burn it down and rise from the ashes. And our ancestors worked hard to build this country of freedom of Canada. And these new university critical thinker or critical theorists are determined to destroy everything and turn us into some kind of a Marxist utopia. And I don't think very many utopias have ever worked very well in this world. <laughs> it, well, the, try, the, word the, the word literally means no place. So yeah. <laughs> I don't think they it's possible. They can try, Barry, but they won't be successful if we have anything to say about it. That's for Absolutely. sure. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much. God bless you. And uh, may God be with you during this uh, this time, Barry. Thank you very much. 
Matt, I'm really, really looking forward to this rally that's going to be happening in Ottawa next week on Tuesday the 11th. Uh, not only will I be there, uh, but Lord willing, I'll have the opportunity to actually share and be one of the speakers. Obviously, as someone who loves the Lord, loves his word, understands God's design for humanity, for marriage, for family, for sexuality, is someone who has kids, is someone who sees the devastation that these ideologies have brought into all spheres of life. I'm very passionate about this, and so I'm happy to support Barry, and I'm happy to support Action for Canada in this initiative and in this endeavor. And so I want to remind our viewers again, before it gets lost in the shuffle, that they can go to actionforcanada.com. That's action, the number four, canada.com. And at the top of the drop-down menu, if you click rallies, scroll down just a little bit, and then you'll see the rally that's happening on Tuesday, October 11th in Ottawa at 8.45 a.m. Please, if you're in Ottawa, if you're within driving distance of Ottawa and you can be there, if you have the option of coming the night before and being there first thing in the morning, I would encourage you to do so. It is going to be a great time together with like-minded people who really do care about our children. That's that's something we talked about this on one, one of the episodes last week. The insult, the claim that is leveraged against us is that we hate children and that we're bigots and that we're hateful and our language is hateful. So original. And the reality is we use we use strong language that's it is offensive language. It is inflammatory language because children are quite literally being led to the slaughter and we can't simply be polite and nice and winsome about it. Children are being led to being chemically castrated and sterilized and having double mastectomies performed on girls, boys being mutilated, having these lives root, and they're sterilized for life. Babies are murdered in the womb. This godless ideology is leading innocent children to the slaughter and to having their lives ruined. And we can't afford to be nice and polite and winsome. We need to be, not in a violent way, but we need to be aggressive and assertive. We need to scream out to these people, not yelling in their faces angrily, but screaming out symbolically, crying out that they would stop this great evil, that we would save these children from this. And so that's why we're so passionate. That's why we, we may come across as being too strong in our language and too strong in our messaging. Well, a great evil like this warrants that kind of strong language. So please... Support Barry, go to Action for Canada, help to donate to you know his legal efforts, and try to be there on Tuesday the 11th in Ottawa. It's going to be a really, really great time, a really great, really great rally together. Absolutely. The fact of the matter is we need thousands upon thousands more Barry Newfields across this country in every position of civic life, that we can be a bulwark between the victims, these young children, and Marxist indoctrination, and just genital mutilation. That's that's really what we're, we've reached to at this point. And then 
when you when you think of this whole culture of death, we're also talking about euthanasia at the end of life uh, and then also abortion at the start of life. So if Christians get involved in politics, we can have a say about how the polis operates. And we must do that for the sake of Christ uh, and, and the love of our neighbors. So I really want to see a thousand berries across this nation raised up in, in the Lord's time. You know, I pray that that will happen and, and happen quickly. And we also here have just started an initiative that is helping people like Barry get involved in different areas of civic life. And that is Christians that care. And that's Christians that care.net. So if you want to get involved in your local elections, if you want to be a part of a, of a team of Christians helping support each other to get involved in politics, we're there for you. And we want to encourage you and equip you along that task and along that way. So we would pray that you would go over there, ChristiansThatCare.net, and fill out the application on the website. We would definitely appreciate it, and we want to continue to build this movement. Andrew, it's Thanksgiving. We should probably give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, his continual blessings of providence. Andrew, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the, the many blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon me that often in the hustle and bustle of daily life we too often forget about nevertheless in this past year i've i've been able to have the um, first of hopefully many kids uh he's blessed us greatly with just the sweetest little daughter our family's growing it's coming together like n never before um, church life is good i'm learning growing I have this wonderful opportunity to do something that I love to do with you, Andrew, on on the podcast here at the Liberty Dispatch and to be a part of the Liberty Coalition Canada team. I, I'm just overwhelmed, and I, I have a whole list of things that I pray about every day uh, to give thanks to the Lord, and, and I just think it's a fitting time to take that occasion. But what are some of the things that you're so thankful uh, about uh, th this year, Andrew? I think one of the things that a lot of the people in our audience can also relate to is that in the last two and a half years, many of us who have seen through some of the lies, have seen through what's actually going on, have felt very isolated and alone, right? I think a lot of us have felt alone. A lot of us have felt like the outliers in our family. Our families think we're crazy. Our families have uninvited us from various Holidays and events, I know what that's like to be disinvited from Easter dinner, personally. We have friends who, you know, have said just the most awful things to us and about us in person and on social media and have said we're crazy. There's been, we've had difficulties at work. Uh, we we feel, we felt very alone, even in, in, in the church setting, feeling like, why is it that I, I want to meet with my church I don't want to cover my face and yet I'm being told I need to and my conscience is being betrayed. And so in all these ways, I think people have felt isolated and alone. And I know I did as well, especially early on in Kingston, not being connected with other guys yet. I felt like it was only us and it was it was a very wearying time for 
my family, for my wife and us. The reason I, I, I say all that is I think coming out of that first year, coming into 2021 and, and starting to move into 2021, more and more as we started to connect with other like-minded people, we started realizing that we're not alone. We started finding more people close to us, people we didn't expect in our own cities, people who were maybe a little more quiet, but we found in our own churches. For me personally, being connected with other like-minded pastors across this country has been one of the most refreshing and one of the most soul-edifying experiences in the entirety of my life in ministry. Like brothers who would go to the trenches, not just for the cultural war, but for Christ and obedience to him as King and Lord over all things, finding these men across the country, men who we pray for one another, we support one another, we meet as often as we can. I'm deeply thankful for these men. And it's not just the well-known men across the country with bigger churches that have high profile cases. I'm talking about men that have never made it in the news and and these are these are brothers for a time of war and so i think i'm i think that that would that would be up there on my list thankful for the the, the brothers uh the brothers in arms that that have come out of this and realizing that we are not alone we're separated by distance and we're separated by time zones but but these are men these are people i know that if it came to it we would support we'd pray for we would help one another and uh, the Lord is is growing, the Lord is growing an, an an army of Christians who may be timid and afraid, are becoming more and more emboldened, and more and more engaging in the culture. And He is, I mean, He is advancing His kingdom, and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it, which is exactly what Christ promised. Amen, brother. Yeah, it's been a wonderful time. We're also so thankful for you, our listeners and our viewers, that you tune in, that you give us so much of your time, that you've entrusted us with your audience, and that you've engaged us as well. Um, we we just pray that you would continue to make use of some of the resources that we have, some of the episodes we've done. If you want to reach out to us, info at Liberty Coalition Canada. Dot com. That's how you reach out to us. And, and by way of exit, I think it very fitting on this occasion, regardless of what's happening in the news cycle, regardless of what happens in our political sphere in Canada, God is good and he's good all the time. So let's give thanks to him. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever give thanks to the god of gods for his steadfast love endures forever give thanks to the lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever till next time happy thanksgiving thanks for tuning in to liberty dispatch a united front to restore liberty and justice in canada please subscribe to our podcast and rumble channel as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com.